I had the great honor, the pleasure decades ago of being able to go see a performance by the great mime artist, Marcel Marceau. And after all these years, there's one piece that he did that stays vibrant in my memory. He mimed a man walking into a shop and walking up to a counter and pointing one after another to these different masks as the shop owner would give him the mask and he'd slide it over his face. And each time, Marcel Marceau and his brilliance and that that classical ability to express through his face alone, he would change from anger to sorrow curiosity. And they went on and on and on to all these expressions so vividly expressed through his face until he put on his last mask. And as he slid it over his face, he grinned the biggest grin. You could feel the happiness, the joy emanating from that expression. And he looked around at the audience for a while, and then he went to remove that mask, and he couldn't get it off. And you saw him physically struggling to get that mask off, and his grin stayed big and joyful. But in his eyes, you could see frustration turning to a distress turning to panic. This morning, we're talking about dropping masks and lowering that, not the bucket that Chris was singing of that bucket that drops us deep in our being, but that bushel bucket that they refer to in the Bible that seemingly can cover our light. I remember talking to Edward years ago and saying, you know, I just feel like there's a wall between me and this person. And he said, Ruth, there is no wall. So I want to say to you this morning, there is no bucket. We are light. So what is the problem? How come we're not experiencing that? How come we're not seeing that in ourselves and each other? I remember when I first became a practitioner, people would come to me, and back in those days in our movement, used to hear the words all the time from the stages. You are whole, perfect, and complete. People would roll it off their tongue. You are whole, perfect, and complete. And clients would come to me, and they'd say how it made their heart feel happy. And many of them said, I really believe this. But, and then they go on to tell me how they're not whole, perfect, and complete and sort of give it to me to fix them so they could be whole, perfect, and complete. I remember years ago, I've told you this story, when Edward first came to the center and I was just finishing Prac 1. And in between Prac 1 and Prac 2, we did a circle in the summertime. And many of us in our class would gather. And there were 40 in my class. That's crazy. 
And so we'd be a big circle of people and we would just talk about our studies and share where we were and the work we were doing. And, and so I invited Edward, our brand new senior minister, to come and sit at one of our circles. Now, I don't remember the conversation that was going on, but I remember at one point raising my hand and to ask a question. And Edward was sitting across this large circle from me. We had just met. We had known each other a little bit. I was running the practitioner corps, and so we had had some interactions. And I said to him, what do you do when you really believe this teaching, when you know these principles, when you actually may have even experienced that sense of wholeness and oneness, but you don't feel it? And he said, pointedly to me, Ruth, nobody cares about your story. Now, I noticed when he said this, I noticed people in the group wiping tears from their eyes. It felt rude, like kind of a slap in the face. But for me, it was exactly what I needed to hear. And for that moment, I was set free. Because for the first time ever, I got that distinction between what I feel and the stories I have in my head about who I think I am. And really the truth of what this teaching is about. That we're whole, perfect, and complete. That that light never comes, away, comes and goes. That it is always right here. That the love and the, the joy and the peace that we talk about beyond human understanding doesn't waver. So what happens? Well, it seems by some fluke of human design, God-given, you might say, we waver. Our attention wavers. Does anybody notice they have a chattering mind? (laughs) Or that they carry some stories about themselves or maybe other people. And so this teaching is reminding us to drop that bucket down into the depth of our being and know what the great teachers and masters have taught. There's that line, I think, from Marianne Williamson when she said, we have everything all the great teachers and masters have, all the love and the joy and the peace. They just don't have anything else. Now, I don't know that they don't have anything else, but what I think is true is that they don't listen to those stories. I listen to my stories sometimes. Do you ever listen to your story? Do you ever believe it? We have stories, and the challenge is they're very habituated. We get born into stories about ourselves. Ernest Holmes, our founder in this teaching, said, we're born with flaws and foibles that we don't even understand. We seem to come wired with them. And so we're not going to be punished for having these foils and flaws in our being. What he was describing is that no matter how seemingly human we are, and we are oh so human, aren't we? That we're more than that at the same time. That there is always a still point in being if we but stop and notice the awareness 
that we are, the consciousness, the wholeness that we are, if we step back, I have a new teacher that talks a lot about consciousness being a screen. And so I noticed the other day, when I was watching a drama on TV, I don't know why I still do this, because it was making me crazy. You ever watch things that make you crazy? And I'm so engaged in the story, I want to change what these characters are doing, because clearly they're not thinking clear, straight, you know? It's like, I don't want that to happen, and they shouldn't be doing that. You ever go there? Maybe not watching TV. Maybe you do it in your life. They shouldn't do that anymore. And I noticed I was very caught and charged, and it was uncomfortable. And so what I did was draw my awareness back so that I could see the whole room. I no longer was just in that story. And I could see myself sitting in the chair. I could see my legs and I saw that my TV set and I saw the whole room and I still was engaged in the movie. But when I had that bigger perspective, I wasn't agonizing about who was doing what. You with me? We might call that spiritual practice. That's why we come together. That's what our classes are about, to support us in that dropping back that higher perspective. That not believing that story. It's not that we don't care about each other. It's not that we shouldn't care about the stuff that is going on in our lives or is going on around us. But we want to remember what's always there underneath it, that we are more, not bound by those stories. And it can feel like we're bound by them. It can feel and we can believe that we really are those stories. Even though our conscious mind knows we're not. So just like Marcel Marceau felt that angst with this made-up mask. Wasn't even a thing into itself. We feel that angst for thoughts and beliefs that aren't really a thing unto themselves. Yes? We all know that thoughts and feelings come and go, don't we? We have good days, we have bad days, don't we? Maybe some of you don't have bad days anymore. You know, the slightest thing can upset us. Made-up stuff can upset us. In our mind, for some reason, our brain, that wiring, has us catch hold of it and make that more important than the joy. We remember those things because we've rehearsed them so much. So unlike some of the misunderstanding that happens with this teaching, we are not teaching whole, perfect, and complete, and not human. That is okay to have imperfections. We just don't want to wrap ourselves around it and dive in and make that the whole reality of what is. Ernest Holmes says in his writing, even in his early textbook, he 
says, we're not, he says, we're born with this stuff. And I'll, I'll tell you some of the things he calls it. He says, he calls it a density and a debauchery of mind and, and soul. Oh my God, a drunkenness with which we seem to be born, a stupidity. Do you ever recognize any of those qualities in your thinking? But we're not fixing those. We're diving underneath, he says. We're breaking through that density to touch that ground of being. Not to pretend, not to get away and split off. But so that we are living more and more and more and believing and knowing more and more that we are that ground. So that we can live on behalf of our wholeness instead of our brokenness. I used to live in a house for a short time. Somebody offered me and my partner a house that had been on the market for a long time. And it had been there for so long, no one was looking, no one was interested. This house needed a lot of work. First and foremost, the thing that I noticed is the foundation was gone. You could put a marble at one end of the house and it would roll straight through. There wasn't a door or a window that was straight. And the person that had the house on the market said, we just need somebody to live here and to paint it. And so for free rent, we painted the exterior. Well, we had somebody do that. And, we, and then we ourselves painted the interior. And it showed, uh, paint, it, it, uh, <laughs> whoa, sold right after that. And I was thinking as I was preparing this talk, I thought, we do that a lot. That's a lot of what our personality is. We feel broken. So what do we do? We dress it up. We put a good coat of paint on it. I remember Edward, and I'm telling on Edward this morning. I remember in ministerial school in our homiletics class, this is the class where we work with giving speeches. My worst nightmare. And he said, whatever you say, when you're on the stage, make sure you look good. Because that's what they're going to (laughs) remember. Oh dear. And we do that. In fact, the word personality comes from the Greek word persona, which means mask. Our personality really is just that covering over that essential self that we participate through in our lives. Now, there's nothing wrong with personalities. Well, there are things we can shift and change. But from whence are we shifting and changing? Where are we getting that direction and what might need to change? The great Christian mystic Howard Thurman talked about the sound of the genuine that lives in all of us. The sound of the genuine that is truly the only guide we have for our lives. So that when we come back to that essence, that authentic being, it guides us 
And it's what does the shifting in, in our thinking. And it does, it's what does the shifting in what we speak and, and how we behave. Sometimes it's immediate and sometimes it's over time. Ernest Holmes talks about, well, at least move in the direction of. So we want to notice if I'm praying to know love and wholeness, at least align my thoughts with that. More useful. Not just pretending, not just putting a coat of paint, but really uncovering what's really there. What we want to do is disempower those habituated thoughts. We want to take the the power out of them by empowering what's always here, which is your consciousness, which is the wholeness of being. So if you're wanting to know that you're not broken, let me tell you, you're not. Or that you're okay, you are. Or that you belong, you do. And one of the things I'm hearing from congregants, it's sort of in the world right now, it's a big thing. It's a big thing in our culture. We want to know we're unique. You are. So put that to rest. Where we get in trouble with personality is where we hold on to and we fight and we struggle. Trying to pretend we're not something or trying hard to get to something. You do not have to fight in effort to become authentic, to become your essential self. It's already here. We're just dropping the bucket down. We're listening. We're turning within to find something that's present underneath the story mind. So it's okay to be who you are because the infinite intelligence has created you. It's okay to be where you are in your life because the infinite intelligence that is unfolding the universe put you here. That doesn't mean we don't want to change things. It doesn't mean that we don't have challenges. It just supports us in unfolding and listening and moving forward in time from a greater ground of being. It's useful to have a good foundation because it affects everything. One of the things I hear from people is this fear that if we just hang out in our God self, you might call it, our true self, into that essence that it becomes boring, which is kind of a strange idea to me, but I can understand. We don't want to be flat in our existence. I promise you, God's not flat. Being in the infinite presence is not flat. Letting go of the story does not make life dull. It takes the darkness off. We effort so hard to be okay, to be accepted. We protect and defend. I remember reading Carlos Castaneda saying, if we could stop protecting and defending ourselves, oh, the energy we would have left over. It's so habituated, we don't even notice. One of the clues is our judging mind. 
when we're in our judging mind, we're protecting and defending a story. And so the invitation to drop our mask and drop the bushel and then lower the bucket down into the essence of being, that's our call. And I love that the book we're using is The Gift of Imperfection by Brene Brown. That we recognize that our imperfections, what we call our imperfections, are part of the dance of our lives. For those of you who heard Reverend Cynthia James last week, she talked about our struggles, our challenges being portals to our transformation. And her talk was so beautiful. And, you know, she's a very accomplished woman and her singing voice is just so awesome. And she writes this truth and speaks it so eloquently. And I was listening to her and thinking, perfect, because I'm going to come back and bring forth the foundation because that's really what I'm about. And it's not something I made up. Like I said, my worst nightmare when I came into ministry was never to speak. My first class with Reverend Edward, I went to his office afterwards. I started crying and I said, I'm done. I'm quitting school. He laughed at me because I didn't go into ministry to be a speaker. I went into ministry to teach practice and do my pastoral work, which I do. This just caught me up. It found me. I wouldn't choose to do this. In fact, I was telling a friend of mine, because I don't write a talk, that I woke up this morning and a whole new thread showed up. And I'm like, egads, like I need this. But I trust that that does life. It's the ground that I stand on. I invite you to consider trusting that that does life because it does your life. It informs you. It's where you are. It cannot be. You are only here because the infinite presence intelligence is right where you are. The infinite God, the divine, does not give you your good. It gives you life. It gives you everything. It's in, through, and around us. We just get distracted in our stories and we think we're this. Usually it's the challenge and the struggle that gets our attention. And so for me, I think of challenges and struggles, pains and anguish as a call inward, not as a call to push against and accomplish and break through, but a call inward. What am I needing to know? What am I forgetting here? That's my call. It's my experience. It's speaking to me. It's calling me to drop the bucket down to the center of my being and remember who I am so I can hear that sound of the genuine as it guides me in that that's mine to know and to do. I remember several years ago, I had a woman show up at my, on my couch. Her friends told me she was coming. They sent her. They said, you have to go see Ruth because we can't stand to be around you. That's really what they said. This woman was an independent, competent woman, strong woman. 
she sat down on my couch and she went on and on and on and on and on in her anxiousness and her anxiety and her fretting about conditions in her life. I mean, I'm good at interrupting and I could not get this woman to stop telling this story. After an hour, she finally stopped. Just for a moment, she stopped talking and stopped running that story. And you could feel the space open up around her. And I said, what are you experiencing? And she said, peace. In a few moments, she started going on and on again about how was she going to maintain this. She didn't understand how she could keep this peace. And I stopped her right there and I said, what happened? Where'd you go? She said, I just don't know how to be with this much peace. If there is a practice in spiritual work, it's in that. Getting comfortable with that unspeakable nature of being. Peace, love, joy, and making it real. Not as a human feeling and emotion, but as the very nature that's right here holding us always. I'm not speaking abstract. I'm not interested in abstract theory and ideas. Try it. Notice the story and stop and see what's there. Years ago, I had a blessing from a telemarketer. Some of you have heard me tell this story. I had just started ministerial school and I got my first computer because I had to have a computer for ministerial school. Not that I wanted one. And I remember getting through this paper. I'm cooking dinner and I'm typing, finished typing up this paper and I did something. It disappeared. I have no idea where it went. I don't even know if I ever got it back. But it disappeared. And I could hear the pot on my stove boiling. So I got up and I rushed over and I turned the stove off. And the phone rang. And for some reason, I answered the phone. And I heard that voice of a telemarketer. You know that sound. Hello, Miss Barnard. How are you doing? And so I decided to tell this man how I was doing. <laughs> In detail. (laughs) And he just listened to me. And then he said, how else are you doing? And I just started laughing. I said, thank you so much for calling me. So you might ask yourself, when you're stuck in a story about yourself or conditions or your life or the world around you, what else is here? What else am I experiencing? Yes, we have a lot of thoughts and feelings. Some of them are actually pointing to something that might actually be happening. It's not that we don't 
have to deal with stuff and meet stuff. It's not that we don't have feelings. We have lots of feelings. We're just practicing not allowing them to pull us downstream. That's why we come here. To remember the truth of who we are and then to allow it to move us through our lives right now. Not from the story. You know, I've carried stories. I have stories. You have stories? I have stories about my mom. Do you have mom stories? Dad stories? I don't know about you, but for me, they're all ancient. I don't need to tell that story. What's here? Because who and what you are is made by and from and of that stuff that makes all life. I love Neil deGrasse Tyson, the great physicist who's out in the world speaking. Quantum physics says, you are special. Not because you're made out of something different than the dirt and the planets and the stuff of life. But because you're made of exactly the same stuff. In the same proportion. We are so connected to the universe, we just don't see it. Our human mind's always going to see separation. And you're not separate. We're not separate. We're not alone. And we're not broken. So let's take this time to drop that bucket again. As I invite you to turn your attention inward. Feel that breath breathing through you. Brand new right now. You might feel that energy of life vibrating in your body. Holding you on your chair. You might feel that air around you. Wrapping itself around you as it breathes in and out of your body. And I know this as the very presence divine right here. It is the life of all life, the animating power that does all things. It is everywhere in everything. God, spirit, the divine, the Tao, the source of being, that ground of all being right here. It is our essential self. It is the stuff of which everything, everyone is made. No one left out, nothing outside of this one. And so I simply come home in conscious awareness right now, recognizing it as the life of my life. The knower, the beer, the doer of all that I am. And I know it as the truth of each and every one here, each and every one hearing this prayer. We are made of and by this one. We are put here today by that one. Everything that has unfolded has brought us here. It is making us who we are in this human nature. And it is holding and abiding in that stillness of being always. A peace beyond human understanding. 
And so I know and accept this right now as a greater surrendering, relaxing into. We are relaxing into the embrace of the one that is always holding, supporting, sustaining. No separation from that one presence and that which we are. And it is this that guides us, directs us, opens up before us. And it meets us everywhere we are in every thought, every feeling, every encounter, every situation. Oh, I am so grateful to know this truth. And in this sweet awareness, I recognize this call of the call divine. It is that sound of the genuine right here. And I listen, I open, I let go into that one. And I let this be. And so it is. Amen.